0: Like part of my French there, but like yeah, we just sold our most sellable asset for nothing. So that sets a great precedent. West version of Boston, sort of in some ways. A full
1: unanimous. This is the theory of the Real Housewives of Hockey. Welcome to another episode of the Real Housewives of Hockey, sponsored by a fleeting will to live. Uh, I am your host Riley, and uh, let's just say, if there was an embodiment of a person that is the tank for Connor Bedard. That would be me,
0: well, hopefully not you. Hey guys. Um, happy to have you guys back and sorry for the uh, the little pause in, uh, in content for you guys, but we're happy to be back, and we want to wish our listeners a very happy new year.
1: yeah, it's not that we just forgot about the podcast, mainly we've been working on bigger projects, and so with that, we've been spending more time on the back end of trying to build up some of this content, which we'll talk more about at the end, but we We're sorry that we haven't been able to get out as much content, but moving forward, it should be more regular.
2: And I'm Stu. all right, yeah, we've been uh, working on some other things that are coming in the works. We're excited about it. But now, I guess we should get into what we've got going here.
1: Yeah, so we're just gonna start with like a quick update on the teams that are surprising each of us. So for me, I've just been in love with watching Kraken and Sabres content because they are two of the most fun teams in the league. Both have, have a, like a 3.8 and a 3.9 goals per game, which is ridiculous and actually tied, like, tied with Boston for the Kraken. And the Sabres are above with their 3.9. And the funny part is when you look at the, those three teams in a bubble... You can notice why Boston's the best, because their goals against is only a two two 2.12 versus a 3 for the Kraken and a 3.27 for the Sabres. So if you want to watch exciting hockey, watch Sabres, watch Kraken, because they're going to score a lot of goals, and they will get scored on a lot.
2: Interesting. Evan, do you want to take the next?
0: Yeah, so two teams for me this season that have surprised me. Um, starting in the East, New Jersey, I don't think any one of us expected them to be to have the start that they did. I mean, they were, like, literally the best team in the league or, like, top three for, like, the first quarter of the season. It was pretty ridiculous how good they were. And, uh, I mean, right now they find themselves second in the Metro with the Rangers, so that should be fun for those two teams' fan bases. But, um, yeah, really good. The Just the team has emerged in a, in a good way, all the pieces, all the big pieces um, in, in, in play for them. And then in the West, I think Winnipeg's been, like, sneaky good, to be honest. If I'm not mistaken, I think they're top of the central. I think. Let me just. Uh, yes, tied they, for top of the central. Tied for top of the central. They are. Yeah, they were tied with Dallas. I think, kind of co. Very quick co. Mention to Dallas too. I think Dallas is Dallas. I think we knew that how good they, it could be because of uh, you know that top there line of great. theirs. Uh, yeah,
1: DeBoer would change there in Dallas, and it seems like he's really going for much a depth heavier lineup. Well, still obviously relying on his beautiful, perfect line of hints, Robertson, and Pavelski. So it's interesting to see like what has changed for them this year versus last year in that sense. Because they've split up Ben, they've split up Sagan, and that has worked for them. Yeah, and just
0: to quickly, I think, wrap on, on, on Winnipeg is um, some of the things that made them a really good team I think back in like 2017, 2018. I think some of those elements have been restored on this on this year's um, iteration of, of the Jets. So I think that's kind of the reason why that they're they're as good as they
2: are. So. And they've got 921 goaltending.
1: Is that team goaltending or is that just that's that's total team total team? Wow, that is really impressive. And uh, you wonder if anything has to do with the with possibly switching coaches although they didn't get the guy they were hoping for it looked like they're gearing up to get towards the entire uh summer yeah. trying to up with rick bonus but he's looked like a bit of a bonus
2: yeah he's he woke he, well, i don't know he coach he's coached for a very long time uh he coached dallas just down like a f- final he didn't win but been yeah, doing serious. it a long time <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Also just a quick thing, um, trots not torts. <laughs> just sorry listeners if nice. are confused.
1: <laughs> I always say the wrong thing between those two.
0: Yeah, it's all good. It's like super close because I was like, wait, I think I was following anyway, it's 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 fine.
1: <laughs> Thank you for that. Yep. Um, yeah. yeah, any other Stu? Any teams that have really surprised you, good or bad?
2: Well, in terms of sort of surprises a bit. I'm surprised that Edmonton and Calgary are fighting for the like wild card, essentially. I thought both of them would be fighting for 2-3 more um, than they have been. That, I mean, pacif- well, that Pacific yeah. Division is tight at the top.
1: Yeah, a lot of that's the Kraken kind of coming in and being a bit of a disruptor in the West. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Oilers are, as far as goals scored, they're first, and yet... As you just said, they can't keep the pocket out of their own net. So that's leading to a lot of issues. The bet on Jack Campbell's look like a friggin' flop
2: and a half. It's been much worse than I expected. Like, yeah. I thought it was going to be bad, but I didn't think it was going to be this bad. And in Calgary, I guess they made a lot of changes, but I liked the changes, and I thought that they'd fit with the coach. It's yeah. taken them a little bit to catch on. Who knows, maybe they do catch fire.
1: So if I had to ask both of you guys, who is the bigger surprise between L.A. and uh, the St. Louis Blues? Like, neither are doing, uh, what's the right word here? Both suck. Like, (laughs) a fair bit. To put it in the Um... the nice term. Well,
2: LA's in a playoff spot.
0: Yeah, Yeah. LA's LA's turned it around. Actually, I I was I was monitoring their team when they were really bad, like closely.
2: St. Louis are probably out. Yeah.
1: The question is, which one is more of a surprise? How how bad Seattle was is this year, or how mediocre, yeah, LA is. Sorry. No, because you said
0: Seattle by accident. How bad Seattle was. No, I, I know you meant St. Louis. Um, I, I don't know. For me, like
2: I saw a drop off coming in St. Louis personally.
0: Yeah, I gotta agree with Stu on that one. Just because if you look at like the the age of their their core veteran players and stuff that were that basically helped them win the cup. Yeah, it's just kind of going down downhill from there. And the other part of it is like when you have erratic goaltending in Jordan Bennington, that doesn't help. Again, the team in front of him hasn't played well at different points, too. And then when they need him to make the save, he doesn't. So it's just kind of like this ebb and flow of things that kind of eat him alive. And I think also, like, I know amongst St. Louis fans, have I've seen and heard this of, like, oh, like, losing David Prawn like, really hurt us. And the whole David Prawn effect. Take that for what you will. And then LA just been kind of weird. Kind of like the West version of Boston, sort of, in some ways.
1: I'm going to need you to go on and explain that.
0: So, like, basically, like the cores are really old; they're established. They have like their winners, right? Like any moment, you kind of like anticipating like a like a big fall off because of the influx of, of young talent that that's coming in. Um, that's going to need time to basically progress and um make them become a really good team. Because so,
1: the young talent that Boston has?
0: A young talent, of, I mean, the only young talent that they well is like Mac. Okay, you know what? I i can kind of see why you would like you have questions about what I why I said that.
2: 25 year old Trayley McAvoy.
0: Okay, let's be real. Okay, we talked 24 about 24 year
2: old sport. Jeremy Swimman.
0: Okay, let's 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 also be real here. Okay.
2: Recently extended 25-year-old Pavel Zaka is, I'm is not core, done.
0: No, is the main core of the teams dropping off at different points, right? I, the, the reason why I even brought those two up, those two teams up in the way I did, is because of that. Like, you look at Kopitar, Doughty, and Quick, and then you, in Boston, you think of um, Bergeron and Marchand. And then, obviously... Them having David Creechy back this year really helped them give them like an actual two C because without him, Charlie Coyle was their two C. So it like really helped to fill like holes in there.
1: It is just interesting to me that you're comparing a team that might break like the wins record this season, like as, as an aging core that's falling off,
2: to a team that's third in the division. Yeah, no, for sure, for and sure. Has, and has not gotten very good goaltending at all. No, no, absolutely. he right. has had absolutely. excellent absolutely. goaltending.
0: Absolutely. But the thing is, is that I'm also pref- prefacing this, and I'm looking, I'm taking a wider view of this in the sense that, like, yeah, we're looking at it this season, but before this season, we were all talking about Boston falling off, the potential of when it was going to happen. Just similarly with LA, too.
1: Yeah, and, like, honestly... It's like, that's the reason for... why I say
0: I say what I say. No, because, like, you guys, with what you guys are saying, I, I, I agree, and you're speaking
1: factually to, to what the standings reflect for both teams. But,
0: you know, that... I
1: don't you know, think it's what... a comparable, to be honest. I would say you're better off comparing L.A. to, like, Tampa. Because if you look at, like, Tampa, they have that aging core of Vasiliski... Well, Vasiliski's not old. He's old-er. But, you know, mainly the headman, the Stamkos, kind of, like...
2: Kucherov is getting older.
1: Kucherov as well is kind of that that core that's not, not, again, not even falling off. Just the wagon could fall off soon, and they're trying to replace it with a bit of youth, a bit of that sort of talent. But you could say that LA has a much better, like, prospect pool to work from.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Again, it's not a perfect thing. It was very spur of the moment, so, yeah. But I appreciate you guys digging into me here, making it a... (laughs)
1: <laughs> Listen, if you're making a claim like that, I just want to hear what your back, like you're, where your mind's coming from in that oh, situation. No, no, no,
0: but like I, I hope it, I hope it's clear, but because I'm prefacing yeah. it based on, um, pre like off season, you know. For sure, yeah, of, I, of what, what we what we sort of or what the wider
1: views of were for these for these two teams.
0: Anyway, in terms of the court <clears>
1: stuff. Moving so, on, Stu, who is a player that has shocked you this
2: season? A player. That has shocked me this season.
1: Can be good, can be bad, can be weird, wanky, janky. Take your
2: pick of adjective. I'm gonna say... Sidney Crosby. Like, I'm just... Marveled that he can keep doing it at 35. That's fair. Yeah. Um, He just continues to... Be sidney Crosby. He's got 18 even-strength goals this year. I know that the Penguins aren't necessarily dominant, but they're still hanging around, and he's a big reason why. Yeah,
1: I mean, they've had a bit of a weird season as well, going up and down, up and down, up and down, not really knowing what they're going to do. They're... I gotta say, I'm excited to see what happens at their trade deadline, about how much are they saying... This is the last raw. The, the band's together. We know that the like the wagon is falling off. Do you go balls to the wall and try hard to win this year? It'll be interesting to see.
2: It will be, um, because I I heard somebody say I forget where and I forget who, but as long as you have a player like a players like Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and they're playing like this, you go for it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of owe it to them at this point that you are trying to to do it.
2: Yeah, well, you just re-signed Malkin, and Crosby's coming up, so. Evan, It'd be interesting. A
0: um, different guys that come to mind for me. One, as a Habs fan, um, Samuel Montembeau. I think he's been kind of underrated. If like tracking his play over time, he's really improved. In terms of like his reads, how he reacts, especially like plays in tight and stuff, how he attacks, plays and stuff, it's interesting. His his rebound control still needs some work, but like you actually look at the actual numbers, there's been a like a clear uh, improvement. How how big of it depends on the, how much you watched him and stuff, but I think he's been a pleasant underrated surprise. And then um, in the West, Josh Morrissey. I don't think any of us. Coming in this season, would have predicted that this guy would have been going like point a game over point a game for them, which is huge. For that team, ever since the loss of uh, Dustin Buffalo. So I think that that's really huge for them.
1: Yeah, really stepped up as kind of the guy they needed this year. It's incredible to see, or truly. Yeah. I would say for me, I have three choices uh, I got two from the West, one from the East. Which one you guys want to hear first uh east so my guy from the the east has to be hampus lindholm
0: Hmm.
1: that guy has been unreal i'm just trying to pull up the stats right now so i apologize
0: all good all good yeah no i just to fill the yeah i think i think that's great that you picked him because
2: he's good 28 42 yeah yeah and most of that came when
1: he was the guy before Mike McAvoy came back he's now been pushed into a bit of a smaller role so his point production has stepped back but I don't think anyone would have predicted that he would be on pace for a 55 point season this season he also he also
2: leads the team in hockey reference defensive point shares yeah
1: so he's been a staple for them he's been incredible and really like He's just so good in every situation. Like, you you put him out there for your penalty kill, you put him out there for your power play, and he's just been really well-rounded for them, like a really good staple. The other guys that I have are Zach Hyman. This guy went from having, what is that? That would be 70 points last season in the calendar year, like playoffs included, to he's on pace for 87 just in this like, in an 81-game season for him, because he did miss a game. Um, Because currently he has 20 goals, 27 assists in 44 games. Putting him at 47-44. and Yeah, it's pretty easy to do this sort of thing when you're playing with elite talent, but he went from playing with Austin Matthews to showing why Connor McDavid is that guy and just that level above anyone in Toronto. And it's incredible to see that. Like, I mean... Really, that contract that they paid for them is looking like pennies.
2: Yeah, it's been good for them, but they still can't keep the puck out of their own net. No. Okay. Well,
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of credit here, Riley, because of the conversation that we had of me bringing up Zach Hyman. But anyway, I do love the pick, though.
1: Yeah. Then the last one, this is more of like a if you're, looking, if you're in a smaller league, and you're looking for someone to pick up in fantasy, and you need a defenseman. A good choice is Matt Benning, because most leagues don't look at plus-minus, so you're not screwed there. And he is two, or yeah, he's two points off a career high in half a season. He has 19 and 43, and he does lay the body. He does block shots. So, if you're looking for a guy to like sneakily pick up in your fantasy league, Matt Benning is a good way to go. Interesting. Yeah, is he gonna light the world for you? No, just again, surprised. I was very surprised. This guy went from being known as like a pretty good staple sixth, fifth defenseman to playing like second pair and playing quite well. So I'm happy that the Sharks signed him. I don't like that it's a long term deal because we have a lot of guys, younger guys that we're gonna want playing and he'll just be dead weight contract to be honest. But for this season if again for fantasy might be a good get a look at all right daily noted. any other players you guys want to shout out to or um
2: i guess i'm i'm a bit shocked by the leafs goaltending overall with the the two guys they signed not including the couple of games of eric Schalgren. um but just cuz i watch the leafs the most these days i I was pleasantly surprised by Matt Murray, and I thought that, like, over the years watching Samsonov in Washington, I thought that there was a good goalie there. I thought that when he was when he was on, he was on, and the police rode that for a little while. <laughs> we'll see how the things continue to go, as they do.
1: For sure, you see Matt Murray commit some robberies. Quite a few times this year. Like Is he the most consistent guy? No, but when he's also dialed in, he's top he can win a goalie battle. He can. Evan, anyone else you wanna shout out or you wanna move on to the next segment?
0: Uh Logan Thompson in uh Vegas. Him stepping you in. new sports him. guy. Yeah, he him's just stepping in. Like I wasn't sure what to expect, to be honest. I thought that he I thought he was solid and I'm like, I thought he could be solid for Maybe like twenty games, and then it might fall off because once teams, you know, get a book on him or whatever it is, you know, they can pick him apart. But so far, he's been he's been solid for them. I think that's been huge because without solid goaltending, I think he would not be uh, the best team in the West. So,
1: yeah, you think that be winning or at least very much in the conversation for the Calder? Um, he's very much in the conversation. Yeah, definitely, definitely should be. I mean, it's hard, for me, it's hard to say he definitely should be when he's 25, and he's also played almost 20 games in the NHL prior to the season, so that feels, like, a little bit off to me, but, like, given these are the rules, 100% he should be. Yeah, no,
0: Yeah. again, given... <laughs> All right, we've had, I mean, we've had our conversation about this.
2: We circle back on this discussion every time.
0: Literally, yes, Steve's right. But, but okay, for the sake of just cutting it short here, yes.
1: Yep, that's, like, why I worked, what I did, wasn't trying to get too far into it, but just needed to be said.
2: Yeah. Do you guys know which university Logan Thompson played for in Ontario? When you say U-sports before? In Ontario? Yeah, uh, so he played for an OUA team. Yeah, he played for Brock. Did. Good job.
0: Okay, also, just a quick thing here. Riley, when you when we're saying age, I think for goaltenders, it's sometimes a bit more complicated because goaltenders take more time to um, mature and, and develop, so we'll, we'll cut him a little bit of slack here.
1: Is that, that's again, bold claim there. Bold? Is that
0: true? Claim. I mean, think about the amount of NHL goaltenders at the age of 21 coming in and just tearing it up immediately. Not a lot of guys.
1: Right, but think about the amount of players who they don't have their prime seasons until they're 28 as well. I think it takes a lot of people a lot of time. But that's not what the rookie of the year is necessarily about. Well- just you coming
0: in and just being uh being good, you know. Relative to your peers. Yeah. Relative to, to, to your be, peers that year. To
2: be eligible for the Calder Memorial Trophy, a player cannot have played more than twenty five games in a any single preceding season, nor in six or more in each of any two preceding seasons in any major professional league. Beginning in 1990... 1990 1991, 91 a player must not have ever yeah, sorry not have attained his 26th birthday by September 15th of the season in which he is il- eligible that's the mouthful on the nhl.com website
1: yep yeah. and again with those being the rules totally should be like top of the list for me. moving on uh i just wanted to give myself some credit because i'm awesome And Florida is dumb. (laughs) Uh, They had a guy who was put up for possible being coach of the year, and they said, No thanks. You go be an assistant somewhere else. New Jersey. New Jersey. And then they went and signed a guy who quit last year because he just was tired of being in his situation and has never been a a phenomenal coach by any means. And they had a just huge shakeup to their d They had injuries throughout the beginning of their season to Aaron Eckblad specifically. And this guy's not going to coach you out of those bad situations. Ever. And I think that's being proven right now, both from looking at the difference in Winnipeg and how much better they got without making significant changes to their roster, and then looking at how Florida's doing after making significant changes to their roster and bringing on Paul Maurice.
2: So Paul Maurice has made the playoffs one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times in his very long career. (laughs) And do you know the furthest he's went in the playoffs? Eastern Conference Championship in 2001-2002 with Carolina Hurricanes.
1: So at least Pete DeBoer gets you to the finals. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: okay, anyway, keep going. Um, yeah, so for the most part, I just wanted to give myself some credit for that because we made that prediction uh, when the, the, the signing happened. And uh, it's proven true. So go me, I'm the best. Hire me Florida, I can do better than a lot of your front office.
2: Twenty-five years of coaching and he's got nine playoff years. So that's what I say.
1: Yeah. That is tough. And like I don't think he's necessarily been put in the best situations to be a winning coach, but
2: No. And his years, his years in Toronto, he was not with a good team.
1: No. And like sometimes you just need a coach that is good for those situations. Yeah. Who can just help you out when you're a bad team, help the development, that sort of thing?
2: You're the ship.
1: But that's not where Florida is. Right now, they might be giving up uh, Connor Bedard because they decided to trade an unprotected first round pick for Ben Z- Sherratt. Ben
2: Sherratt.
0: Hey, yo.
1: All right, Habs fan, get in on this. What?
0: I mean, this is why I've been a fan. I say I've been a fan of what Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon have been doing. Because, you know, getting, like, all these firsts and seconds and stuff for all these guys that we were going to trade anyway um, that are, like, essentially, I guess, depth kind of pieces, if you think about it, and if they're good, quote-unquote, really help us. So thank you, Florida. If we end up getting a – I mean, the way it's looking right now, which is great, is that – Florida can be a bottom 10 team, which I'm pretty sure they, I mean, they're the sixth worst team in the East, they're fifth in the Atlantic, so definitely a shot here, because even a top 15 pick in a draft that's high, as highly touted as this, I'm going to take a top 15 pick, along with, um, you know, the Habs pick being, uh, being bad, but... I'll preface it like this and end it like this: having two shots at the lottery to get
1: Connor freaking Bedard, I will take any day, all day. And this is for what? What you guys gave up? What twenty games of Ben Cherrat? Maybe like yeah, twenty. he, 24, he flew 25? Off to Detroit playoffs for Florida too. So, like, you just look at the asset management there of their usage of like, bringing on Ben Sherrod, and it really makes you think, like, how the hell did they not put any sort of protection on that trade? It's just, it's truly mind-boggling, and, like, they, they have to try to turn the ship around. Like, I've seen a lot of people saying, like, oh, they need to sell. Why? You sell when you can actually do better in the draft.
2: Yeah. I... Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you we, we, we talked like, about this. You may need to panic buy in order to not give away Connor bedard
1: and like the other thing is you're not just giving away Connor bedard you're giving it to someone in your division
0: yeah but Mm -hmm. the other part of this is that i think the whole team where it is has been compounded by the fact that like i mean that whole huge huberto trade to calgary right and also we are going to calgary too that that's i think that's that's also hurt them as well most definitely not having that like that go-to defensive guy, not that Ekblad's bad or anything. And I think that, like, in terms of, like, scoring, I think they have certain guys, and, like, besides Ekblad, they've had um Brandon Montour and Gustav Forsling kind of step up and take on some of that, like, offensive uh, production. But, like, defensively, I don't think any of those two are, like, stalwarts, right? I'm not saying they're bad, but I don't think they're, like, any... I don't think they're close to the level of, of what Uyghur provided to them.
1: And it really sucks that Aaron Eckblad has the same style of defending as Shea Weber and Jake Muzzin. They somehow think they'll keep the puck out of the net from uh, a hospital bed. Oh my god, jeez. And you love to dish on these injured guys all the time.
2: Oh boy.
1: Well, sometimes in hockey, it's less about just necessarily... Like, when you're a, a player's career, a lot of the time games played just matter, right? You're not helping your team by... I know it's there. not not shaming you for getting hurt ever. That's usually out of your control and op- often horrible for your career. But the truth of the matter is guys who are in the lineup do make a difference.
2: I know it's football, but Mike Tomlin says that about some players on the for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's just like availability it's a skill.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I mean like and then the other part of it is that like I just I just checked and like Ekblad's played thirty-three games for them this season, but I also think losing him, also losing him and Barkov, Barkov's only played thirty-four, so they both missed about ten games. 10, 10 games, give or take, maybe. So like that definitely doesn't help. You're missing your number one center and your number one defenseman. Yeah. And moving the forward, depth, the depth, like not being gonna film depth. Like they, they have been before, I think that that's hurting them too. And then you think about it, like a guy like Anthony Duclair that was a thirty goal score, basically, for them, or at least a pace thirty goal score last year when he played, like not playing at all too, I think that's also hurt their, their level of scoring as well.
1: Lost Mason Marchman.
0: Um you just go down the list. I mean, all across the board there've been like downgrades and even like the coaching as you I mean, I'll give you like a like a, a lot of the credit, but I think we all sort of agreed that like Maurice' move was like would just kind of make them mediocre and like meh. No,
1: and then they've been worse than that. Yeah, that's the thing. So really, not great. Moving on to another team that uh, is worse than anyone would have thought, uh, Vancouver. So recently, there's been rumors about Rick Tockett just taking over for Bruce Boudreau, who hasn't even been let go of his job yet. So they're doing this while this guy's still there. And he was asked about it, and he responded with, I don't know the direct quote, I don't have it in front of me, but essentially just, I'm going to keep coming in until they tell me not to. And as a player, knowing your coach is going to be, is pretty much lined up to be fired, how do you keep your nerves? How do you like, do you keep listening to this guy's system, even though you think it might get fully flipped on his head? Like, any insight into, like, what, how you would be facing this, like, mental dilemma as a player?
2: Yeah, so the, the direct quote is, I just wake up every day and go to work until they tell me not to.
1: Yeah. So if you knew that your boss was in that situation, and he's supposed to be your motivator, supposed to be your strategic planner... Does it affect anything about your job? Would you say, Evan? I'll go to you first.
0: Oh, okay, so as the coach, I mean, oh no, as the player, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's definitely like you. You kind of think as a player, you you gotta go out there and, and and perform, and and I think like those guys know that you know they they, they need to be better, right? I mean, these guys are are in the <laughs> NHL for a reason so think you kind of just if you're a real pro you just kind of like go about your business as best you can and try to um you know yeah just keep your head above water i think at this point in the situation that they're in because it's always you know when new changes come in you got to cope with that um, as well so i'm sure that there's some stress there and stuff because sometimes you know under um different like coaches and stuff your your roles could change and eventually i mean that could alter your career potentially so if you really want to like really analyze it. I think that that's maybe where some of the stress and worry might come from from the player's point of view. But I think I mean they're they're all consummate professionals, so they just kind of keep going about their business and um you know, ultimately they're paid to to play the game and and perform. So yeah, that's kind of just my two cents on it very quickly.
2: I do think this has been hanging over Vancouver for a while with like the interviews with uh Rutherford on uh, Scott Oak show on uh, Hockey Night Canada to just like other stuff like like this comment from Boudreaux like this was a new management who came in with a coach on a option contract and we don't know if they wanted him back but they ended up with him back and now he's just they're coaching and I think it would be very tough as a player to completely shut that out um and just like it's it's the lame duck coach situation you know and like it's it's hard problem. to sorry go ahead
1: oh all, all i was saying is he's not the problem like it's the roster construction that's the problem like they're not gonna put in a new coach and just bam they're a playoff team that's not how it works. Tyler Myers probably shouldn't be in the NHL. He's played like, like way more minutes than he should be. Same with OEL. Like, just way over overplayed because he's overpaid, and a lot of guys are just underperforming. Like, yeah, underperformance you can often link to a coach, or just that is the trajectory, the trend.
2: Yeah, and it's, but it it's also one of those situations of uh, the new management did not hire this coach don't,
1: he is their scapegoat. Yeah. Try to hang on for two an extra years saying, oh, well, that wasn't our guy. Next year's our guy. So you can't fire us. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, and then
0: like, I guess, I mean, the other part of it, I mean, just zooming out a bit is that like, we're not a good team. They're not going to make the playoffs. And so like, let's be real. Like, even before like the last two weeks, it's like, it's been clear that like the trade room is surrounding Linked with the fact that okay, so they're not a good team, they have a poor cap structure, so they can't keep their own captain right now. Right. So Bo Bo, Bo Horvat's getting like shopped around, right? And then trading out Brock Besser. And then what other contracts can they get out to fix this basically this cap structure issue that that they that they have on their hands?
1: And then another guy that I've I been, saw sorry? I saw a rumor that they might be shopping Garland. Trying to get Provorov back and I was just like, that makes no sense for either team involved.
0: Yeah, I d I, I don't know. That, that that's a that's a that's a whole thing there. But I mean I haven't heard that. That's interesting. The other guy that I've been hearing that is popular and I can see exactly why he's popular is Andrei Kuzmenko. So they just signed him, I believe, over the off season from the KH. I mean Stu or Riley, correct me if I'm wrong on that. He's 26 years old, and I didn't know this until I just pulled this up now, but he actually has 36 points in 41 games for them. So he's um, he's been a good player, and I, I think he makes very little money. His cap hits very low, so it's definitely an attractive option for contending teams at the deadline. So maybe they can get some assets back there, but other than that, yeah. a lot of their assets are have like these big um, cap hits, right?
1: Yeah, on Kuzmenko, he's only making 950k, yeah. and he has seven points in the last ten, four in the last five. Yeah, he, so for context,
0: broader, is 41 games played, 17 goals, 19 assists, 36 points. He's playing top line next to um, Elias Pettersson and and Brock Besser, so definitely performing well in, in in those minutes offensively speaking.
1: I could yeah, I could see that as a good trade piece. Yeah, depending on what their like what their conversations with him is and if they're looking to resign him what that looks like if they're like we can't re-sign this guy trade him, because i think you're right you could get a very pretty penny for a player of this caliber at that cap of-
0: yeah i mean i mean they i think they want to re-sign him just like they want to resign bohor but the problem is that like they want to resign all these guys but it's like is it collectively speaking good for your team like i mean i don't think so i mean you got to figure this all out right the defense needs to be like fixed and that's it's a whole challenge unto itself, and I know, like, Luke Shen is probably going to get traded out. Like, I've heard something about Tampa being interested in him again, because, well, he won two cups there with them, so that makes sense, and doesn't really make that much money. So, also works there, too.
1: Moving forward, I have a game for you guys. So. Can skip the Kingston
2: Frontenac
1: news? Oh, oh, my bad. Yeah, it wasn't put in the- uh, You know what, Go good job
2: there,
0: Steve. It. You saved us there.
2: So the the Kingston Frontenacs retired the numbers of uh, Anthony and Chris Stewart, uh, 13 and 24, respectively. Uh, And we just wanted to recognize that. Uh, Riley and I grew up watching both Anthony and Chris at uh, the old Kingston Memorial Center. Which, Uh, uh, quick,
1: fun story about Chris. Stu, do you remember the full details of how he...
2: Got on to the the Kingston product. Oh, well, so he had quit hockey, um, and was focusing on playing football, and like sort of was caught in between. And Anthony said, "Come down, like," or he talked to Larry Mavity, the Kingston, the legendary Kingston coach and general manager, um, about having him down for like an open tryout. He tried out. Made the team, and then within two years was a first was a first round pick by the Colorado Avalanche.
1: So he almost went from nothing in hockey into he made an All Star game. I want to say for the Blues, didn't he?
2: Possibly, yeah. That's, yeah really good season for the Blues, but regardless, and just wanted to recognize that it was I was at the game last night, so it was a cool moment hearing, oh, you did, that game? and they did it well. It was. Fairly well attended for Kingston, too, which was nice to see. That was nice to see.
1: On to the trade game?
2: All right. Yeah, let's, let's go for it.
1: All right, so I have four proposed trades, all contractually work. I did it through Cap friendly, just to make sure. Um, so you were going to pick a number two, one, and four, each of you, and then you're each going to try to find a way without, like, you can talk it out loud if you want. You, you can just try to, you can just come back with the answer. We're each gonna to try to present a modified version of this trade, so that you think the other person is would accept would say that this trade goes through, and then from there, we kind of debate between which one's more realistic, between the two augmented trades from what I started with. Does that make any sense? Uh, yeah. I, I, what's
2: What's the time?
1: What's the time like for for doing that? Limit. Uh, you know, try to be speedy if possible, but. No, okay. if you're talking it out loud, you can take a little more time. But yeah, so Stu, would you like pick? Or would you like to pick trade one, two, three, or four? Three. Trade three. So in this trade, we are seeing the Pittsburgh Penguins trade a third round pick and a fifth round pick for Ryan Markley. That is the whole exchange. <laughs> Evan, would you like to pick trade one, two, or four? Uh, we'll go trade one. Trade one? So, in this trade, it's a bit bigger of a trade. We see Sean Monaghan at 50% retention, Jake Allen, 50% retention, a fourth and a fifth for Nick Robertson and Alexander Kerfoot. And, sorry, and Wayne Simmons gets thrown into the trade as well, just for the the money to work. Uh,
0: okay, wait, so this is a Montreal-Toronto
1: trade? Montreal-Toronto trade. Oh,
0: spicy. Okay, 50%. And can we can we even do that, Montreal? Okay, we okay. So we've carefully not screwed ourselves on on cap retention. That's that's nice. And then so the Leafs would send us Wayne Simmons,
1: Wayne Simmons, Alexander Kerfoot, Nick Robertson. In return for Jake Allen at fifty percent retention, Sean Monahan fifty percent retention, fourth and a fifth.
0: Nick
1: Robertson.
0: And we'd be taking on the um the, uh, deal full cap.
1: Full okay. cap. Okay. It is only this season, so. All right. So, Stu, I'm going to come back your way and ask you, have you thought about any changes you're making to this trade? So that way it'll go through?
2: I think Pittsburgh would have to add probably a second or a second equivalent.
1: Just add a full-on second-round pick? I think so. So we'll say Uh,
2: Maybe Berkeley's not worth it much, actually. I don't know. It's tough to to know.
1: Yeah, I picked Pittsburgh to pick them up because they are pretty (laughs) cap-constrained, and they could use help on the back end. So I thought that that is a team that does have opportunity for him to actually get a chance in the lineup.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, that's a big part of a trade.
1: But, yeah. Okay,
0: so a question for you, Riley. Hit me. Um, so the cap retention on Allen is kind of weird to me in the sense because it's two different contracts. You're looking at this year's contract or the the current contract that he's on that expires after this year and then it's a two-year extension beyond that, so we're just going to assume 50% cap retained throughout everything?
1: No, because the retention doesn't apply on extension.
0: Okay, so it's only for this year. Okay, I just wanted to make sure I, I understood that clearly.
1: Yep. All right. So coming back to you, Stu, any, so in the end, are you making any changes? Are you just saying, this is the green light, this trade goes through?
2: Um, give me one second.
1: Evan, where are you at? What are you thinking? Um,
0: definitely need to add more for the cap retention month for to Montreal because just being realistic, um, you no, know, if we look at different uh, trades and stuff, like I'm thinking, like at least bare minimum, like a third, but more a second, to be honest. I just have to double check if. um,
1: So I assume for starters, you're removing the fourth and the fifth.
0: Yeah, just straight up just remove that or rather just get the higher pick, you know, (laughs) from Montreal's point of view. Um, Yeah, I just I'm just looking at the numbers just to make sure I have
1: everything. So you remove the if I'm if I'm hearing correctly. You want to remove the fourth and the fifth that Montreal originally was trading to Toronto, and you want to add a third-round pick to Toronto's side. Oh shoot, sorry.
0: I don't know. Actually, hold on, hold on. I have to right, wait. I have to reboard what I what I said because I'm also calculating the the what the cap hits would be for Toronto. Basically, what mm-hmm. that also seemingly helps me see exactly the amount of cap being retained by Montreal in this, in so... this case. Um which I, I basically have the numbers. I just need to add them up now and I'm gonna write them somewhere that I can clearly see. Yeah, also we're basically much- re- we're retaining um, 4.6 4.625 million in cap space, um, which is a decent amount of money, if you think about it. So like I think like I think we w- I think Toronto should be adding like a second round pick, the minimum know especially this season right um i just want to make sure that toronto actually has that pick that they can give up
1: they don't have a current this year second yeah. they have two thirds they have a next year second and they don't have a twenty twenty five second yeah i'm seeing that now as i pulled it up um also i don't know if you're looking at the discord but i do have a shared screen of the trade Ooh. Stu coming back to you
2: I have changed it, and this is what I would do. Okay. What are you going to do? It would be Will Riley, the third from New Jersey, the fifth from Pittsburgh to San Jose for Berkeley.
1: Sorry, you said the name was Will Riley?
2: Mm hmm. I believe I spelled that right. Oh, no, I didn't. I spelled I don't see it right. It from the right. roster here for Pittsburgh? Yeah, he's a prospect. Okay. So he's an unsigned. Or sorry, he plays, for, he plays in the AHL.
1: In the AHL. So he should be here. He's not here.
2: Hmm. Weird.
1: Anyways, so it'd be Will Riley a third for Merkley?
2: Um, and the fifth. And the fifth. I think. I left the fifth. There. Yeah, I left the fifth.
1: Evan, back to you. You got like another minute or so to try to wrap up your thoughts here. Just trying to look at something quickly.
0: Um. Yeah, we have no idea. Yeah, so, I mean, I added a, I, on like Toronto's end, I would go to Montreal. Uh-huh. I added a second, 2024, third, 2023. We'll keep the fourth and fifth. And I'm like, I, I had to check Montreal's picks right now. Just quickly to see if I'm going to throw anything else in to try to make it work. Um, sure. We'll have, we'll have for it. Um, yeah, that's kind of where my head's at because that's a decent amount of cap that we'd be retaining. 4.625 million It's not... Yeah.
2: Why Jake Allen?
0: Yeah, I I find that questionable, to be honest, because I know he's, a, he's the transition goalie for the Habs, so they're not going to trade him. Unless, like, they get some, like, god ridiculous like great offer then like okay great do it but like you know what i mean what
2: no and i don't for the, know for, i don't know for the leafs why jake yeah because, i don't
0: know I, I because i think sam sonoff has been pretty decent and matt murray random at different points has shown that he's
1: he can be good for them the main reason why for jake allen was just like in my opinion the leafs goaltending is still suspect but like obviously it is like it's it's not consistent, Stu. As you talked about, it's when the guys are hot, they're hot. Jake Allen has been kind of just a stable goaltender for the Habs. Like, he's just been pretty good the whole time. So, that was my thought there.
2: He's been okay this year. Yeah. But I think that both Simpson Love and Murray have been better. For so sure. I think you continue to ride it.
0: Yeah, I, I think the main benefit is getting blood. And,
2: and Joseph Wall pairing it up in the ahl so he looks like an okay call-up option maybe
0: yeah so i don't know i yeah i mean like yeah if if we're retaining the cap and stuff like i i yeah i need that second and the the third coming back to montreal to make it make sense
1: all right so we have our final finalized trades and they are Sean Monaghan at a 50% retention, Jake Allen at a 50% retention, because you didn't choose to remove him from the trade. Uh, I have two fourths listed here, but you wanted to be the fourth and fifth still. Um, fourth and a fifth is what Montreal's trading. In return, they're getting Nicholas Robertson, Alexander Kerfoot, Wayne Simmons, a third and a second. So the final part about this trade is, which trade do we think is more likely to occur? And I think we kind of spoke our way into this already, but the Ryan Merkley one seems to be a bit of the favorite because it's a bit of an easier trade, obviously. You don't have to deal with all the retention. But value-wise, I do think both seem quite fair.
2: It's also also out of conference.
1: It's also out of conference. So I do think that my vote would be towards the Merkley deal being more likely to occur.
2: I'm also the same. I also don't think that the Leafs are going to, if they are going to deal Nick Robertson, my thoughts or feelings, I don't know, would be that they deal in at division and would not deal into the Montreal. Fair enough. Evan, final
0: thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Just the piggyback of what Stu said, the Robertson thing going to, like, I just, that would be kind of weird to me, and I don't know, just not in the best interest of the Leafs, and um, yeah.
2: I also don't think that Wayne Simmons is going to go anywhere because he doesn't make ton of money and he's just kind of here on goodwill yeah
1: in this case he had to be there just to make the trade actually go through
2: yeah no that that's yeah like, I, mean, I, I noticed i noticed that immediately when when you had it in here and it was like that would be one thing that would keep it from happening entirely re- like in the real world i think but it's fun to muse no
0: yeah. for sure exactly and I did, i didn't want to take any players out for six I don't want to tangle it too much because I just just for the fun of the game and stuff so I just wanted to add assets to just try to see yeah. if I could balance it out in some way
1: I do think a Sean Monahan to Toronto makes a lot of sense because he can play wing or center and it seems like from all the rumors I'm hearing they're interested like the Leafs have been interested in uh Ryan O'Reilly they've been interested in Bo Horvat. like A lot of the times it seems to be these guys that they can put on both spots, so I thought Monaghan was kind of a good fit there.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think that your inclination to have Alex Kerfoot in the trade makes a lot of sense because he's on a $3.5 million contract that is expiring, so he can be an easy sort of salary in a trade.
1: Well, thank you for, uh, for going through this thought experiment with me. Um, so I would just like to wrap up by saying, like, we were talking about this big project that we've been working on, and just to give a bit of a teaser of what it is, we are formulating a roster on the EA game NHL that will be the all-time rosters for every OHL team, and I'll let Stu explain the rules about what makes it, what makes you eligible for being on these teams and why people are where they are.
2: So the reason that we started doing this actually was because there was a, a Twitter um, and I think Facebook, but uh, it was on the on the Kingston Frontenac's um, pa- social media pages. And it was like, build your all time Next lineup and send it in. And so I did that and Dr. Riley and we said, let's build a whole lineup. Then later, I was thinking, I could do, let's just do the whole league. And so, as I was doing it, I was setting different parameters. um, And it was so primarily, I went to games played um, in professional hockey um, at the NHL level. And then after that, I picked players that maybe played some AHL. Uh, But over time, we realized that we. We're gonna have to make a lot of those players, so we just started replacing them with current players on the teams that they play for
1: now. What is the year cutoff that you you said? Um,
2: oh yeah, so every the the eligibility um, it goes from nineteen seventy to seventy three, um, which I I'm gonna just quickly double check that. Um,
1: and I know for example, like people might think of Nazim Kadri as being um, a guy in London, but for the sake of this, the way we were deciding what team you played on, it had to do with where did you play longer. So we didn't decide these teams, so you will see a lot of some teams that are significantly better, some teams that are significantly worse.
2: Seventy-three seventy-four.
1: That's the, the beginning cutoff?
2: That is the first year, because it's the first year of the Kingston Canadians.
1: And then we just held on to that all the way through for every team. Yeah, so that is a bit of a teaser for what's to, like what to expect coming up. We're going to be building all these rosters. We'll be releasing the rosters. Stu might write an article uh, talking about this league. We're hoping to get the word out there about this, because it has been a lot of work, because just building the rosters alone has taken like, probably about 20-plus hours, and we're not fully through it yet. So we really hope that you enjoy it and take interest in seeing what what team has really built the best, uh, oh. has built the best NHLers out of their, their OHL
2: teams. And that's been one of the really cool things about that project is it's just shown me like, what teams have really developed NHL players and stars. It's interesting that not all of them, like, sort of, resulted in memorial cups or championships but um very interesting to watch the the building of teams through teams if that makes any sense
1: i can see where you're coming from evan anything you want to say about the all-time OHL team coming up oh um
0: yeah no i I, i've uh you know i've obviously behind the scenes and stuff working with these guys but a, a big credit to them it was know their idea to to develop this but um yeah the work that they've done so far is is really great and i think you guys are going to definitely enjoy uh, what's to come so definitely excited to share that with you guys once
1: we're uh once
0: we're finished with all that
1: awesome well i think that's everything we have for this week That's everything for me so thank you for listening and i'm riley and i'm signing off and i'm evan
2: um too signing off for the week thanks for joining us